Uh, We are in John um, chapter 4. Again, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the back underneath the usher's table. Uh, But we're in John chapter 4. The woman in the, uh, or Jesus says, speaking with the woman at the well, right? And we've already gone through kind of this introductory section, and Jesus is having this conversation with her. She's tried to push him away. Um, Remember the Jews and the Samaritans, they don't deal with each other. And this woman in particular, she has come to the well at midday, right? Because she wants to avoid everybody. (laughs) You don't come in the middle of the day to lug water because it's hot. You go in the morning. But she doesn't want to go in the morning because guess what? Everybody else goes in the morning and that's when gossip time happens and she wants to avoid interaction with everybody else. But Jesus won't leave her alone. (laughs) And then she hears from Jesus about this living water. And now she's interested in this water that wells up to eternal life. Uh, And then Jesus touches a nerve, right? And he says, go and call your husband and come here. And she says, what? I have no husband. And that is technically correct. Um, which, uh, you know, the old joke is, you know, that's the the best kind of correct. (laughs) Technically correct. Uh, But it's not really the full story. Jesus, though, then fills in the full story, doesn't he? He knows the whole background that this woman um, has had uh, all of these other husbands before this. Uh, She's had five husbands. And the man she is now living with as a husband isn't her husband. Um, So now you have um, that on top of everything else. So now what does she do? She tries to change the subject. She tries to change the subject and she brings it back to, well, let 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 me throw this, you know, random thing out of nowhere in here to derail this. So she says, well, you guys say you have to worship in Jerusalem. And we, you know, our, our people say that uh, you, you worship uh, uh, elsewhere. Well, who's, who's right? Well, we'll just have to wait for the Messiah to show up and he'll tell us who's right. And uh, so she's now trying, she's trying to get away from the conversation and talk about something else. Um, this is one of those dead end conversations that people would have that you knew wasn't going to get resolved. People do this when you try to share your faith with them. They will try to change the subject and they will try to, well, what about the earth being created in six days? Do you believe that? And, you know, they want to, they want to derail it to talk about something other than, uh, has Jesus died and risen? Is Jesus, um, truly who he says he is and his faith in him the way of salvation uh, so they'll try to derail it with all kinds of other stuff well what about what about the the variance in the the biblical texts that that exist and and you can you can answer all of those things there are answers for all of those things but really the point is they want to derail to talk about something else rather than engage the conversation at hand 
Um, but Jesus, it doesn't work very well with Jesus to try to derail him by saying, well, wait for the Messiah to show up. Because Jesus is like, hi, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> uh, I who speak to you am he. Okay, so that's where we left it last time. Verse 27 is where we're going to pick it up. Uh, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So they're like, what, what is going on here? This isn't normal. You don't normally have this kind of conversation happening between a, a man and a woman, let alone a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. So they come, but rather than ask any questions, what do they do? They make up their own explanations in their own minds. Man, oh man, we do that a lot, don't we? We see a situation and, and we don't know the whole story, but we piece together what we assume must be the case. And it probably is, because I'm pretty much always right. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of how they, they approach it. Um, so, verse 28, so the woman left her water jar. Now, notice that. What had she come to do? Get water. Now she's like, forget the water. <laughs> she leaves the water jar. Uh, and went away into the town. So, Again, this is a, this is not like hopping in your car. Like you have to make that path with your own two feet. Uh, so she makes, she has to walk all the way back. So if she leaves the water jar, she knows she's going to have to come back for it again later on. Uh, but what, she must have left in a hurry, right? Uh, so uh, let's see, uh, verse twenty nine. Uh, Oh, yeah, pick it up, verse 28 there. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Mm. All right, so what kind of evangelism um, you know, strategies have we seen in the Gospel of John thus far? Well, we had, earlier on, we had Nathaniel, right? Um, come and see, right? Come and see, Philip and Nathaniel. Come and see. It was, um, I don't have all the answers, but come and, figure, come and meet Jesus and find out for yourself. Well, what do we have here? Come and see. <laughs> you got to come meet Jesus, Right? So she, her, her evangelism, uh, she's not real knowledgeable about this Jesus fellow yet, is she? Do you have to have all the answers? You're never going to have all the answers. Um, come and see. That works, right? Come be Jesus. Uh, right? So, and then she asks, right, can this be the Christ? Hmm. She doesn't say this is the Christ yet, does she? But can this be? She's wondering it aloud. She's thinking it might be a possibility, but she hasn't, she's not, you know, saying it out and out yet. Uh, so they went out of the town and were coming to him. 
Now notice who Jesus um, uses here as his witness. This woman who had tried to avoid everybody else. <laughs> now everybody else in town knew her story. You know, these, these, these towns, you know, everybody knows everybody and you, you know what's going on and all of those things. Um, but here's this, you know, this woman and everybody knows her and her story, but she's saying, hey, you got to come meet Jesus. You got to come check this out. And they do. So um, verse 31 Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? <laughs> I love the disciples because they're just so dense sometimes. I'm, it makes me feel good because I'm so dense most of the time. <laughs> they should have figured that out. <laughs> well, so... Now, John, John uh, is kind of making fun of himself here, you know. <laughs> He's the author of this. <laughs> I like that he pokes fun at himself a little bit. But, uh, you know, earlier on, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, right? If I told you about earthly things and then the heavenly things, you don't get it, right? Um, and so this is, uh, you know, he's been talking with the woman at the well about um, you know, this spiritual water and, um, you know, she at first doesn't get it either. So I think it's a good, a good uh, demonstration here. Like, okay, the woman didn't get it, but the disciples didn't get it either. So it's not like you have to be real brilliant to become a disciple of Jesus. You don't have to be real brilliant to become a follower of Jesus. Um, because, uh, that's, that's good news for all of us, isn't it? <laughs> He calls all kinds. Um, <clears throat> okay, so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four, yet four months and then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, and lift up your eyes and you will see that the fields are white for harvest. Already, the one who reaps is re receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Okay, so that's a lot of, that's a lot of farm analogy. Right? <laughs> Uh, all right, how does the harvest happen? You just, it just happens. And you go to the grocery store and you pick it up. <laughs> you know, I don't want that meat that's been butchered. I just want the stuff you get at the grocery store. You know, okay, this is not how this works, right? You have to have somebody that goes and plants it. And then somebody's going to have to go and harvest the, the field, right? Well, in missions... Oftentimes, the one who um, sows seed doesn't harvest. And sometimes, the one who harvests 
or regularly, one who harvests is harvesting that which has been sown by somebody else. Because it's ultimately not about us anyway. It's not about the harvester or the planter. It's about salvation that comes through Jesus. And so we want all kinds of people to hear the gospel so that the seed can do its work and the people can be brought to faith and then we can come and, and harvest, right? Uh, and sometimes in the church, it's a season of sowing. And you don't see a lot of growth. And sometimes in the church, it's a season of harvesting. And sometimes churches, when there is a season of harvesting, they think, oh, it's because we're doing all the stuff right. It's because we're doing amazing things. When in reality, it's because somebody else sowed the seed previously. <laughs> and you're benefiting from their work. Uh, so, which is better, to sow or to harvest? Yes. It's a false dichotomy. They're both good. We, it just depends what you need to do at that time, right? Um, so Jesus is, is talking to the disciples about you know, sowing and reaping, but really he's talking about the harvest of souls, isn't he? All right. Verse, uh, so now, who, who has done the seed planting here? In this, the woman has, right? You would not have expected that at the beginning of the account. When she's gone to the well at noon to avoid everybody else, she is the last person you think that's going to be a really amazing witness for the Lord. Um, but now she is. <laughs> she's telling everybody, hey, come check this Jesus fellow out. Okay, so verse 39 many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Well, can women share the gospel? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Can children do it? Yep. A lot of times they're better at it than us because they don't have any fear. <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, every single one of us can share the gospel. We can, we can, Every single one of us can say, come and see, right? Come meet Jesus. Uh, so notice here, though, many Samaritans. Oh. What happens because of Jesus? Barriers are broken down. The artificial barriers that we put up, you know, those kinds of people stay there and we stay here, right? Those get broken down because we're united in Christ, right? Uh, this is one of the cool things that we get to experience from time to time with our uh, partnership with Ebenezer. People that look very different, sound very different, that come from very different backgrounds, and we gather together and we're one in Christ. But, you, you know, you look around today, you know, look around the services, you got people from all kinds of different backgrounds, from with all kinds of different uh, personalities and interests. The only thing that would bring us all together is Jesus. I mean, if it weren't for Jesus, we wouldn't, we wouldn't like the, the, the people that come to this place and spend time together. They wouldn't, most of, most of them, wouldn't find a reason to get together outside of that context, right? 
it's one of the cool things that the, the church just breaks those things down. In the church, all of those things are, are they don't matter. They don't matter. All right. Verse 40. So the Samaritans came to him and they asked him to stay with them. <laughs> you can't stay with them. They're the other. <laughs> but what does Jesus do? He stayed there two days. <laughs> this would have been scandalous. You're staying with the Samaritans? What are you thinking? Those are the bad guys. Those are the guys we make fun of. We don't like them. They don't like us. And that's how we like it. Uh, no, he stays with them for two days. And many more believed because of his word. Hmm. Really, the whole thing is because of his word, isn't it? What does it begin with? Jesus speaking to the woman, the word of God. And by his word, she knows her sin, right? She's convicted of that sin, but then she also hears the, the good news of forgiveness, the good news of the water of life that's found in Jesus. And she then goes and she shares it, but really she's not sharing her own message. She's sharing the message of Jesus. And so the, the word of God is going through her and then other people come and they hear Jesus and so more people are brought to faith because of the power of the word of God. Verse 42, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is, this is indeed the savior of the world. Now there's a confession, right? The woman initially was like, could this be the Christ? Well, by the end, it's, we know this is the savior of the world. Uh, so ultimately, our witness is good, right? But how will people be confirmed in faith? Through Jesus' word, right? So they'll hear from us, but really it's when they get to really meet Jesus, that's when it'll be like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, that, that's how it is. All right, verse 43, after two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. All right, who does he go to after he spends time with the Samaritans? His own people. <laughs> well, that's not how it should be. You should deal with your own people first. And Jesus is like, nope, nope, I'm going to do it the other way. All right? Uh, so, uh, you know, the world's way of thinking about this would be you start with your own. Jesus' way was like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take whoever's here. <laughs> I'll talk to them. And uh, so spending time with the Samaritans, that came before going to Galilee and spending time with his own people. Uh, now, the Galileans welcomed him, but notice, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem. Based on what did they welcome him? Those signs, right? Those miracles. But not based on what? 
his word, right? The Samaritans actually had it right. <laughs> they had heard the word. Notice, notice uh, above there with the Samaritans. He stayed there two days and many believed because of his word. It doesn't mention any miracles, does it? <laughs> they didn't need the signs. They had his word. Well, people today, what do they want? They want signs, right? Um, Jews demand signs. Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Okay. So now he goes and they, are, they, uh, they want to see Jesus because they've, they've seen the signs. All right, verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. You think his reputation preceded him at this point? Oh, well, here comes the water to wine guy. Yeah. <laughs> and at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee... He went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. All right, so we're back to that idea, right? Well, you just, you just want signs and wonders. Your, your faith is not actually in me. You're just looking to get stuff out of me here. Um, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. Now, this is a really good verse here. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. <laughs> he doesn't have the sign first. He has the word of God first. And he trusts that word of God and acts accordingly. How do you know there will be a resurrection on the last day and you will be raised with all the dead? From the word, right? And so now we, we live trusting that word. How do you know in baptism that you have been made a child of God, your sins forgiven, that you've been uh, brought into a right relationship with God from the word. Well, don't we, don't we get some kind of like miraculous sign to, to confirm that? No. <laughs> you get his word. Uh, Martin Franzman preached a sermon on this and he said that the, the man went home with a word in his pocket. That's a great way of saying it. You know, so he, he didn't leave with a sign. He left with the, God's word. And he, he went back and, well, he, he believed Jesus. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him uh, and went on his way. And as he was going, his servants met him and told him his son was recovering. Yeah. So he trusted the word. Mm -hmm. he was calling, he was calling on Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He calls for for help. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, simply, he's simply begging for help, isn't he? And he doesn't get from Jesus what he wants from Jesus in the immediacy, right? Because Jesus doesn't go with him. Um, this reminds me of Naaman in the Old Testament. You remember Naaman? He, uh, he has uh, leprosy, and he is a, I think he was a Syrian um, commander, military commander. And uh, a little girl that they had taken in, you know, as a hostage, basically, as a, as a slave, says, well, you should go to Israel, and there's a holy man there. He can help you. And so the guy gets, get the, gets permission from the king, gets loaded up with wealth, and goes to Israel. And first, the, the king thinks, uh, this is a trick. They're just trying to find an excuse to have war uh, when we can't heal this man of his leprosy. Uh, but then Elijah hears about it, and Elijah's like, just send him over my way. And so he goes to Elijah, and, and he, he goes to the door, and Elijah doesn't even come to talk to him. Elijah sends a servant to tell him, go wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. And the guy's ticked off. He's mad. It's like, I came all this way and the prophet won't even come out and see me. I thought he was going to come out and wave his hand and say some magic words and I'd be cured. And he says, go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Like that muddy creek. We got better rivers back home than that. And he's ready to just leave. And his servant says, hey, you know, you came all this way. (laughs) Maybe give it a try. (laughs) So he does. And he's healed. And he returns back. And he's like, well, let me give you all these gifts. And Elijah says, no, you can't. (laughs) Because he can't buy God's grace. It's a gift. Uh, But it's the same idea here, right? God comes for help and he asks Jesus for, to you know, come with me and help me. And Jesus doesn't go with him, but he does send his word. And that's more than enough. And the man believed it. And so he went home and he, it was as Jesus said. As he was going, his servants uh, met him and told him his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour that had, he had begun to get better and They said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. All right. So sign number two. Is this healing simply by his word? Because ultimately, what is Jesus trying to get people to do? Trust his word. Okay. So the signs are only there to confirm the word. I shouldn't say they're only there for that purpose, but that's primarily why they're there. The other purpose is just because Jesus is good. And healing and helping others. That's just what he does because that's who he is. Um, Something else interesting here. So um, he believed and all his household, 
right? So everybody else too. Uh, I found it interesting, and in, in, uh, if you were in early service, you already heard the uh, the sermon. Uh, if you weren't in early service, you w- will hear the sermon at the at the late service. But uh, in uh, at the end of uh, Luke nineteen, uh, with the the uh, account of Zacchaeus, it's Jesus says, "Today salvation has come to this house." Right. So the whole house. Well, I, I think one of the things that gets overlooked in that is, well, how does that play out? Well, when the head of the house comes to faith in Christ, guess what the head of the house is going to do? Teach his, his, his children, teach his household of Christ. <laughs> so it's not like just automatic, like magic kind of thing, but like, oh, he, the head of the house has been brought to faith in Christ. He's going to instruct his family in Christ and they will also be brought to faith in Christ by his word. And uh, so salvation comes to the whole house. Uh, now, in, in this case, probably uh, salvation comes to the whole house a little bit um, more quickly, maybe, because, you know, you have this miracle. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, yeah, that Jesus guy, he is who he says he is. Uh, okay. Thoughts, comments, questions on that thus far? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read it, um, something this week that said that Jesus never claimed <laughs> That Jesus never claimed to be God, he claimed to be good. Oh. That's what we call heresy. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole idea of sowing and reaping. Uh huh. Not to go back to the table talk, but that's this is scripture used a lot. Mm hmm. Yeah. Right. So the yeah, this 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 whole passage can easily get abused, can't it? Where you say, Okay, go act in faith, and if you do, then God will give you what you want. Well um uh, no. <laughs> go act in faith, trusting what God has promised. Yes. Go act in faith because you're like, well, I think this is what God should give to me. And if I act in faith, then God has to give it to me. Well, now God is not God. God is like a vending machine or something that if you if you put the right amount in, you get the thing out that you want. Um, no, that's not how that works. Okay. Anything else? So let's uh, jump into uh, chapter five real quick here. Got a couple minutes anyway. Uh, So chapter 5, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the way, you always go up to Jerusalem. Why? Because it's elevated, right? It's on a hill. (laughs) Uh, So it's like you always go up to the mountains because they're always higher than you are, right? Now, there uh, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool 
in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In those lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been there a long time. He said to him, what do you, or do you want to be healed? Now that's an interesting way to approach it, isn't it? Here's this guy. He's been laying there for 38 years. That's a long time. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? Now, the question could be then answered, no. <laughs> it could conceivably be answered, no, couldn't it? Have you ever met somebody that is actually quite content with not getting better? I have in certain ways. You know, they, they don't want to be healed. They don't want to get past whatever it might be. You know, it could be, a, you know, um, alcoholism. It could be um, whatever, right? And no, I'm kind of content with, with life as it is. I don't really want it to change. Um, but the sick man doesn't even, doesn't even answer according to the question, does he? So Jesus says, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. It's like, okay. Do you want to be healed? That's not really an answer. Um, and when, where is he looking for healing from? The pool. Where does healing come from? From the Lord, right? Well, I mean, no, he works through it. God, God heals, uh, medicine heals, right? <laughs> well, God can, can and does work through medicine, right? But ultimately, if God doesn't want the medicine to heal you, you know what? It's not going to heal you. And if he wants to heal you without medicine, guess what? He'll heal you. This is not, by the way, to say, well, if you have cancer, just pray harder and don't go get help for, you know, uh, for uh, you know, medicine and stuff. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, ultimately, it always comes from the Lord. So if you're going to the doctor, good, but your trust should not be in the doctor or the medicine. It should be in the Lord. Uh, okay, verse 8, Jesus said to him, get up. Take your bed and walk. <laughs> the man, what is the man asked for first? Help me get into the pool. Yeah, help me get into the pool. And Jesus is like, no, just get up. <laughs> uh, I think this is a good reminder for us again. When we pray, sometimes God answers our prayers, but not the way we asked, Right? Um, you know, come with me and heal my son. No, nope. you go and your son's going to be healed. All right. Uh, help me get into the water. Nope. Just get up and walk. 
This man wasn't even showing that he had any faith. Was right, he? right. Um, but listen, look at that, though. Jesus just says, get up and take your bed and walk. It's not the power of his faith. It's the power of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's always the power of Jesus, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's, <laughs> I think this is a good reminder, too. Sometimes people will think, well, if I have more faith, God will heal me. No. God will heal you if God decides to heal you. And in in the resurrection, ultimately, he will heal you, right? So, yes, he will heal you one way or another. Maybe right now. Maybe not until the resurrection. I don't know. But he will heal you. Uh, But you're right. It's a good point to make that faith does not precede this, does it? It's the power of Jesus' word, right? We're going to sing that at the end of the, at the end of the service, right? Thy strong word. That's the power because it's the word of God. So uh, at once the man was healed and he took his bed and walked. <laughs> now, we're going to come back to this next week, but uh, it's pretty uh it's pretty important to to recognize that right it's in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god um all things were created by him so here's that same creating word that is making new and this is the promise we have in christ We will be made new by the power of the word of God, by the power of Jesus. When he comes again, our bodies will be transformed either from being dead uh, to being alive in immortal bodies that will never die again, or we'll be alive and we'll be changed like that and we'll have those perfect immortal bodies that will never die again. Okay, we're out of time. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, for the opportunity to study your word and to be reminded of the power of your word. We thank you that you hear our prayers and that you answer according to what is best, not always giving us what we ask for, but always giving us what is right and good. We ask that you would help us to have faith like that man who went simply trusting your word. Uh, so that in all things we would live by faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay.